Hello, and welcome to Marriage Unchained, the art of one flesh, where saving marriages, saving families, and saving souls is the flavor of the day. Now, let's join our host and author of Marriage Unchained, Catholic Alpha Radical, Jerry Jacobs Jr. Welcome to Catholic Alpha Radical Live, where I help you fix your Catholic marriage. I've coached and helped hundreds of men in their marriages, and now I want to help you. Call 313 Radical now. That's area code 313 Radical. And ask me anything on tough marital issues, such as what to do when she's asked for divorce. What to do when you have a mutual agreement of separation, but you didn't want it. What to do when your wife is cold and distant. What to do when your wife is having an affair. What to do when your marriage is bad, boring, lukewarm, and passionless. What to do when you engage in a mental embrace less than once a month? What to do when you sleep in separate bedrooms? What to do when she has left the home with or without the children? What to do when you're divorced but didn't want it? Call 313-RADICAL. That's area code 313-723-4225. That's area code 313-723-4225. Again, call 313-RADICAL right now for answers to intimacy problems, communication problems, prayer and spiritual warfare problems, authentic masculinity problems, a.k.a. how to man up. So sit back, relax, take a chill pill, and get ready to rock. But don't duck. Can you feel it? Catholic Alpha Radical coming at you now. Hello and welcome to Catholic Alpha Radical Live, the podcast that helps you fix your Catholic marriage while also giving you winning tactics for marriage problems, girlfriend problems, and intimacy problems for men. And moreover, where my main mission is to keep you out of divorce court and where marriage unchanged, the art of one flesh, divorce Combat coaching is the flavor of the day, while also helping me understand courting, not dating, in the Catholic faith. Why? Because dating is for sex and courting is for marriage. In this 102nd episode, the Holy Lover series continues, How to Save My Marriage When My Wife Has Just Plain Given Up, 33 Gifts That Will Satisfy Her Forever. Today, we uncover gift number 14, plus live calls from you answering your marriage in crisis questions. So call from your browser at callinstudio.com slash radical one or call in 313-RADICAL. That's 313-723-4225 for some resolution to your marriage confusion. Now we're going to rock it with the quote of the day. So let's do this. Quote, the difference between love of humans and love of God is that human love, ecstasy comes at the beginning, 
But in the love of God, it comes only at the end after one has passed through much suffering and agony of soul. The flesh first has its feast and then the fast and sometimes the headache. The spirit has first the fast and then the feast. The ecstatic pleasures of marriage are in the nature of a bait, luring lovers to fulfill their mission. And they are also a divine credit extended to those who later on will have the burden of rearing a family. End quote. Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen, book three, To Get Married. I've helped hundreds of men in their marriages. Allow me to help you in yours. Get live Catholic marriage help. Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. Eastern, for some resolution to your marriage confusion. We are back, y'all. We are back. We are back. And so today we have a good show, and I hope y'all like it. It's going to be really good and interesting. It's going to hopefully help you to understand what your wife needs to uh, really realize that you love her. (laughs) And so now with today's Radical Rant, How to Save My Marriage When My Wife Has Given Up, and we cover gift 14. So our precursor questions are, let's talk about, you know, get you guys primed for what we're going to talk about here in a little bit. So the thing is how, what is the secret to true and authentic masculinity? Believe me or not, believe it or not, there is a secret. And once you know the secret and you develop the habit to fulfill the secret, then, hey, things become a lot easier. The problem is today, nobody tells us what authentic and true masculinity is. But the biggest clue is to get a crucifix, put it in front of your face and look at it. That's the clue. (laughs) Jesus Christ, our Lord himself. And if you can understand what that means of what him on the cross, the crucifix means, then you will understand your mission as a man more clearly. Uh, Protestants don't put crucifixes on, uh, don't put Jesus on the cross. And that's a shame. I really feel sorry for them because they don't really understand suffering and sacrifice. And why is Christ up on there? Christ, why would a 2000 year old Christ church put Christ up there? It's why, because it's, it's, um, it's scripturally based. It's the understanding that Christ came to suffer for us to give his life away every day for 33 years. That's what he did. He prepared to do that. And if we do him and we do Christ and injustice, when we don't look at the crucifix, we don't remind ourselves every single day of what God did to come down to the lonely, the lowly um, thing of an embryo to be placed inside of a creature to go through birth to live in a shack for the for for 33 years to go through dust and dirt um to have to take a shower having to use go to the bathroom having to brush his teeth having to do all this stuff that creatures have to do but if we do not 
look at Christ on that cross every day and think about these things, we're not being reverent to God. This is what the mission of a man is, to consider your death every day. As a man, if you don't consider your mortality every day, you're going to be off your game. You're going to be off your game. And when you're off your game, a lot of bad things happen. Okay? Why is suffering and sacrifice important to marriage? It's important. We, we, as a man, we have to realize our happiness is not what's happening, man. We, we've got to get over the pleasure-seeking thing. I am not saying that we should not have fun. I am not saying that. What I'm saying is fun and pleasure have its place. It really does. Just like our job has its place, you know, in other things. We have to get over to start to understand that our life is a test. This is a test. This whole time, this whole 100 years on this earth is a test. It is not a time for us to be jacking off and playing around 24-7. It's not. Every decision that we make must be looked at in the scope of God. Why? Because that's how you grow closer to God. People think that I just, you know, sit in my car, I'm at my job. Oh, Jesus, I love you. And thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. And th that's good. That's that's a good thing. But we, we as a man, especially, we've got to look at this as, you know, am I worthy every day? If, if, to grow closer to God, we must consider God. We must look at the scope of God, of Christ, of the Holy, of the Trinity, of the Holy Spirit. And if you do that, man, that's how you grow closer to God, because then you start to not want to displease him. And that's what happens when you consider God, you consider your mortality every day. You consider what God did for us. You look at the cross and on the crucifix and you see him there and you consider what it was like. That's why the rosary is so important. If you pray the rosary every day, that means you are considering the, the the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ every single day, which is how you grow closer to him. You learn him, what he was like. You, you, you start to consider while you're praying, you start to ponder questions of, you know, what was it like to be on that cross? What was it like to, 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 to look at your mother right before you had, you started to carry that cross to go down that up to Calvary? You know, and when when you do that, man, this is how you become close to God. When you meditate on the scriptures and you meditate on 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 the life of him and his mother and the life of the saints of St. Thomas Aquinas, of um, St. Padre Pio, of John the Baptist, of St. Paul, of St. Peter. We have to realize that, man, our day to day life is just not going to work and coming home, eating and going to bed. It's that's not it. And you're doing if you are a man that does that, you're doing yourself an injustice. You're robbing yourself. You really are. And I don't want that for you. I really don't. And you shouldn't want it for yourself. I talked to a guy yesterday and, you know, he, he said he's miserable. He's happy. He's been like that his whole life. He doesn't understand why. The reason why, man, is we don't understand our purpose. What are we here? Why are we doing this? Why are we going through all this pain? And really, man, that's not a buzz killer, man. That's joyful. 
Like, okay, I know. Okay, I know what I'm supposed to be doing. Every day when I get up, I know what I'm supposed to be doing. I know the big picture. And once you know the big picture, man, your life becomes more at peace, more pleasurable. Sure, you're going to have bad days because God's not going to let you go through this life without pain. Because then you wouldn't think you need him. That's why you have pain in your life. So to remind you that you need God. That's why he allows pain in your life. That's why he allows babies to die. That's why he allows your parents to die. That's why he allows a, 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 a child to die or your parent or, or your wife or, or your sister or your brother or your grandmother or your great-grandmother. That's why he allows all this to happen because he doesn't want you to get as a man, women too, but as I would talk about men, as a man, he doesn't want you to get complacent. That you are not God, I'm God. You can't defy death, so you might as well get your life together and stop joking around. Okay? Next, um, see, how do you prove to your beloved that you truly love her? Being a true and authentic man, that is one of the ways that you prove to your wife that you love her. It really is. Because it's hard being a man out here. It's hard out here for a pimp. <laughs> I love that. I love that song. I really the song is okay. It won an Academy Award, by the way. I, the song is okay as a song, but I love the premise of the song. Basically, it's when it's when it says it's hard out here for a pimp, which y'all hear me say all the time. It means it's hard out here being a man today. It's real hard. And 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 if you have a good woman, she knows that. That's why women are patient with us, the ones the ones we're married to. The feminist women, uh, get rid of them. They, they, they lost. But a real, authentic, feminine woman, oh, my God. She understands. And if she doesn't understand, she tries to understand. That's why wives, when they are unhappy, they stay with men for years. They stay with men for years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 10 years, 5 years. They'll, a woman, if she she understands your she if she loves you, understands you, tries to understand you, is trying to understand you, she will she will even go as far as let you live with her, let you sleep with her, and give her body and youth to you. She will let you drive her car. She will pay all the bills. That's how far a woman will go for you. Really, think of that sacrifice, man. So this is why. We've got to understand men as our job, what our job and purpose is, because we easily, without really knowing it, take advantage of women. And that's not what our Lord would have us do. OK, next, how do you reinforce your wife in your wife's mind that you will love her forever? This is the key. This is the key. How do you get your wife to believe truly deeply in her heart that she that you love her more than anything, that you're going to love her forever and that you're never going to leave. You got to understand women, man. That's why the main, my main purpose is to teach you how women think, how they feel, what they need, what they want. Every, think about this. Think about a woman, not your wife or any, just a woman. Think about it. Let's say these days there are a lot of broken families, right? Think about it. Almost everybody has a broken family. The single mamas, whatever, all that stuff. So guess what that means? A woman, her, her, her daddy ain't around. She didn't have a daddy. Or if he was around, he left. Number one. 
So that's the first minute of my life that left me. So then I go through, I grow up, I get a boyfriend, I'm a teenager, I'm a woman, I'm a teenager. Then I give my body to him because I think he loves me. I think he's going to be with me forever because remember, women, I'm a woman and I don't give my body to some guy who I don't think I'm going to eventually be married. So I trust him, I sleep with him and give him my body and my soul and my heart and my mind. And then he hangs out for a little while, but he's only 15. He's only 16. He's only 17. He don't know nothing. So he goes and finds another girl, gets rid of her. Well, that's number two. That's two men that have left her. So then she gets in her 20s and early 20s. She goes to college. She's out of high school. You know, in high school, she probably gave her body to about two or three guys at least. She's not a virgin anymore. She's already in deep, deep pain. Her soul's damaged. Her She's psychologically damaged because she slept with at least three guys already in high school who abandoned her. So now she goes to college. Hmm. Maybe it's going to be different this time. He's older. He's more mature. He says he loves me. So, you know, I feel I love him. So, you know, we, we hang out and I sleep with him too. But he's a frat boy. And guess what frat boys going to do? They just want to hang out, have a good time. They ain't trying to marry nobody. So that's number four. Who's abandoned her? So then we go through, we get this, we're senior in high school. and We find the one who we think is going to be the one. He's with me for two years and he's, he loves, he says he cares about me. He's going to, he's going to marry me and he's going to make me happy. Well, guess what? Another woman comes along. He's a lawyer now and he ain't got time for, to marry no college girl that he slept with. Cause you know, she gave her body to him. So that's number five. So then I'm out of college. I've got my career. I'm a career woman. I'm so damaged. I don't know how to treat men. I hate men. I don't really hate them yet, but I'm starting to. I'm starting to think that they're all crap. They don't love. They don't keep their word on nothing. They don't love me. So then, okay. So then I find the one. Oh, I work with him every day and he's just the greatest ever. And we got plans to get married and we actually do get married. Oh my God, he's going to take all my pain away. He's going to love me forever. He's going to make me feel like I'm the most important thing in his life. Oh my God, this is so wonderful. And then reality sets in. The pressures of job, the pressures of children, the pressures of money, all that stuff. And all of a sudden, the promise doesn't look the same to her husband. You know, he starts to neglect her. So in her mind, he's going to leave me too. Well, because every other man in her life in my life left me. So why isn't he going to leave me too? This is what you're dealing with, gentlemen. This is what you're dealing with with a woman today. They, they are damaged. They are psychologically unhappy. They, they need a lot of attention because, they're, because they had a lot of pain in their life. And if you don't understand it as a man, you're going to think that what you have is just a regular woman. Your wife is not a virgin. Most dudes today do not marry a virgin. So when you marry her, she's already screwed up. <laughs> she's already screwed up. And once she does marry you, you are the only one that can take her pain away. But to, most men, we're too worried about ourselves. We talk, we worry about ourselves, our own pain and our own jobs, what stuff we got to do. You know, look, she's got her job. I've got my job. And this is why you've got to understand inherently every woman thinks that her husband's going to leave her. 
That's why a lot of women will leave their husbands first before, like I like you hear all the time. I talk about I talk to men that their wife been married three, four, five, six, seven times. You know why? Because the woman wants to a woman like that, I call them a runner. They have no commitment. You never that's why you don't marry a divorced woman. You don't marry a divorced woman. You don't. She's really, really has a, a bad, she's going to run and leave you. As soon as things start going bad, she can try to talk to you for a couple of years. She's going to get away from you. Why? Because she believes you're going to leave her anyway. And so what she does is she gets away from you before you get away from her. It's, it's common sense, really, if you just think about it. Okay? So this is why you've got to understand how to get your wife to know that you lo love her forever. And it's hard because women today have they, like I you hear me say all the time, just like men are damaged, women are worse than us because their makeup is the emotional thing. They have women have to be emotional. Why we all know about this, but this to be any more than five episodes. Women are nurturers, they have to be nurturers and emotional so that they can bond with children. That's their purpose. No matter if they're a feminist, a feminazi, no matter they got all five jobs or they just president of the United States, their purpose is to bond with children and to nurture you, their beloved husband. So that's why we're all searching for love. We're all searching for that deep love, but nobody knows how to get it. The problem is it takes a long time to get it, even once you are married. Okay. So next, um, how do you give your life away for, for your beloved each and every day? How do you do that? How do you give your life away for your beloved each and every day? That's a mystery, right? That's a mystery. How do you do that? And we're going to go into that in a minute. But first, you know, give me a call. You know, uh, would you like to know, you know, do you have problems loving your wife? If you're a man out there and, and, and you sometimes you love your wife or right now you don't feel any love for her. There's a reason. And call and ask me, and we'll go into that, okay? It's very important that you know what love really is. And love is not an emotion. It's really not. It's really not. If you if you rely on your emotions to, to fuel your life, you would get disappointed. God will do the same to you. Why do you think when you first, you know, and Protestants really know this too, but Catholics do too. You know, when you first come to God, you know, he gives you all these, all this love. Oh, he loves God. This loves me so much. And I love God so much. Well, God does that. Why? So to draw you in, to draw you in, just like I saw yesterday when, when, when vendors, you know, or, you know, people, you have a problem. So people give you free stuff on the internet to draw you in so they can truly show that so they can show you that they can help you. You know, because today everybody gives away stuff for free. Everybody. So people just don't trust anybody. But you have to do that like this podcast. You know, I do this because I'm passionate about what I do, but also because I want to prove that I can help you. I can, you know, and that's how we have to be today. You can't just charge somebody a dollar these days without proving that you can help them because people are too savvy. They're not like they was five years ago or even 20 years ago or even 10 years ago, you know? So that's the way God does. He shows, he gives you, when you first become Christian and you give your life away, you give your life to him, he, he fills you with all this emotion because emotion feels good. But then what happens? You start to feel a little too happy with yourself. So what he does, he pulls himself away from you and he makes you chase him. This is what people don't understand. 
God will give you all the blessings at first when you're a Christian, but if you become lukewarm and you stop being reverent and you stop going to church and you stop, even when you are going to church and you think that, oh, me and God have this great relationship, you know what he does? He pulls himself back so that you chase him because you're chasing that high. Which this is why you can't rely on your emotions with your wife, with God, because they, they're fleeting. They come and they go. And if you don't realize it as a person, then what will happen is you'll think, oh, my God, I don't love my wife no more. I got to get away from her. Or, oh, my God, I don't love God no more. So I'm going to be atheist now. Or I'm going to leave the Catholic Church and I'm going to go be, I'm going to go with this church over here. Or if I'm a Protestant, well, I don't like that prayer pastor. So I'm going to go find me another pastor that can make me feel good. This is why the Reformation has ruined the church. It has ruined the faith. People are the faith is so watered down that people don't even understand the basics of of Catholicism of the Christian faith anymore. They don't even the most simplest stuff, because the Reformation through ge those generations from for fifteen hundred years everybody was Catholic, every Christian was Catholic. Then the Reformation happened, and guess what? Everybody thought, "Oh, this is great! This is great! I can kind of do whatever I want. I can build all the churches I want." Well, guess what that did? That watered the faith down, whereas today nobody really understands the true and fullness of the beauty of the faith. And it's sad. It's really sad. So in our last series, you know, we covered things about divorce and how to know when your wife wants a divorce and all those kind of things. And that was kind of a buzz killer, you know, but you know what? It, it, it teaches you how to have your, 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 your Catholic radar up to know when your wife is having problems and and the clue that she gives you to let you know hey hey man things ain't right around here i'm not happy you know and so as a man it's important that you really start to study your wife her mannerisms her moods and everything about her so that you're one of the first ones to know when something's wrong then get what can you do you can jump in there and fix it like we like to do fix stuff <laughs> So I gave you 33 clues, clues to help you understand when it's time to do that. Okay. So in this series, though, in the Holy Lover series. So what is a Holy Lover? A Holy Lover is you becoming the man that God created you to be and you becoming the husband that your wife needs. If you learn how to do that, you will satisfy your wife forever. That's what this series is about. How to satisfy your wife forever. Because that is the that is the big mystery. How to keep her happy forever where she doesn't want to leave, where she doesn't want to, um, you know, where she doesn't want to abandon you, or she gets unhappy for, for days and days and months and months at a time and get depressed and stuff. Most guys don't know how to understand that. That's why the men that come to my program, they are so thankful. Oh my God, finally some clarity. I know what I'm supposed to be doing. I know how to keep her. Not how to, you know, a, a lot of guys that come by in my in my program are Protestant, which is, you know, Baptist and Lutheran and those kind of things. So they're used to the divorce thing. You know, like, so that's why, like, a, a lot of guys go, well, if she's going to come back, I'm just going to give you another woman. Which, I understand that because you really don't know better. Most people think that you can that you could divorce and, and, and the guy allows divorce. Well, he doesn't. It's in scripture. It's, it's so plain. If you just read it. But today, Protestants are taught, most of them, that if, you know, if, if we get divorced, we get divorced. Not going to be somebody else. But here's the problem. The problem is if you can't make that woman happy, how are you going to make the next woman happy? If you can't make that woman happy, how are you going to make the next woman happy? If you can't make her happy, how are you going to make her other one happy? So that's four marriages. When is it, it going to stop?
When is it going to stop? When will you make a stand as a man? This is what I teach men. You've got to make a stand. You've got to learn how to make a woman happy. You've got to learn that. Because if you ditch this wife, then the next you're gonna have the same problems. It happened to me. My first wife was dead, well, died. Okay, I didn't make her happy. Then my second wife, I wasn't making her happy. So what's it's gotta be a, a, a common denominator in that. That was me. And as a man, you gotta realize that too. You know, please understand that you can't, we can't keep jumping from woman to woman and thinking that a new woman means a new opportunity to, to, to have a lifelong marriage. That's not how God set it up. Most Catholics understand that even if they get a divorce, they still know. They deny it because they're taught from, Catholics are taught from get-go that God disbelieves in, in marriage, divorce. I'm sorry, in divorce. So most men that come to me that are Catholic, they feel they have no choice but to make, the, to make it work with the woman I have. Because without an annulment, I cannot go to another wife. This is the true teaching of Christ's church, of Christ himself. That it is if 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 you divorce and you leave your husband and you go marry somebody else, that is adultery. And then that you are the person you're married to, they're committing adultery. So you're not we as a woman, you not only infect that that yourself and your current husband, then when you divorce him and go marry somebody else, you now involve that man in your sin. Even though he's a grown man and he understands things, as a woman, you still involved him in that. You've got to answer for that at your particular judgment. Don't get it twisted. Sorry. Sorry to hate to be a buzz killer, but there is a hell. Okay? It's time for everybody to start to think of, to, to really reflect on that. Okay? So that is that is the way it goes. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a break real quick. Um, this, this podcast, and this program is really made to help you to understand how to build a great marriage, an awesome, legendary marriage. So the, the classifications of marriage that I've come up with, this is my own thing. This ain't no, this is a, the classifications of marriages are a horrible, terrible marriage, a bad marriage, uh, a mediocre marriage a good marriage, a great marriage, and then a legendary marriage. A legendary marriage is better than great. You know why? Because a legendary marriage spreads the love of you and your wife to your kids. Then they spread it to their kids. Then they spread it to their kids. Then they spread it to their kids. That is the legacy of a man. That's the true legacy of a great marriage, that all your kids want to get married or become religious, become a priest, or a nun or sister, and they carry your love that you and your wife have created throughout time. That is greatness. That is a legendary marriage. If you as a man can do that, this is my goal to teach you how to do that. And I'm not going to lie. All of my kids want to be married. Matter of fact, two of them got married already. The young too. Do all my kids want to be married. They want to have what me and my wife have. I'm sorry. That's what that's that's the truth. That's it. I don't know what am I sorry for, but that's the truth. It's the truth. All my kids won't be married. They are drawn to marriage because me and my wife have tried our best over our 21 years to show our children what a beautiful marriage can be. You know, made mistakes a lot earlier. Like I told you, I almost lost my wife. I, I did. But you know what? I got my game together. And that's what I want you to do. So we will take a break and then we will be back 
Guys, don't leave. Hang out. You're going to learn something today, and you're going to have a good time doing it. Bam. If you're getting value from this podcast and would like more personal marriage help, visit SaveMyCatholicMarriage.com for an opportunity to work with me personally for free. Yes, within 30 days, learn how to become a better husband that attracts your wife back to you. Visit SaveMyCatholicMarriage.com and get a plan tailored specific to your marriage and situation. I've helped hundreds of men in their marriages. Allow me the chance to help you using my personal and gained experience. Visit SaveMyCatholicMarriage.com for superior coaching for your marriage. Again, SaveMyCatholicMarriage.com. That's SaveMyCatholicMarriage.com to become the man God created you to be and the husband your wife needs. Lastly, I always get the question, why don't you help women? And I always answer them, I do. So, for all of you beloved wives out there that want to reignite that feeling of emotional closeness and complete love from your hubby, consider marriage coaching and visit SaveMyCatholicMarriage.com for an improved marriage within 30 days. And so we have our first caller of the day, and I'm going to bring them on right now. Technology, please work. Somebody, everybody say a Hail Mary for my for technology so my technology works. <laughs> Hello, caller. Are you there? Yes, I am. Oh, good. If you can't hear Scott, somebody please uh, say it. Let me know. How you doing, buddy? Just fine. I had a question about what you just mentioned within the last five minutes. Mm-hmm. How does God view a marriage outside of the Catholic faith that ends in civil divorce that allowed my wife and I to get remarried? Say say that one more time. I'm sorry, man. I, I heard you. How but does I, God go view mm-hmm. a marriage outside of the Catholic faith that mm-hmm. ended in civil divorce, which allowed my wife to remarry me? Oh, Beautiful. Because we gotcha. got married in the Catholic okay, church. Okay. Stop, she didn't stop, get married stop. in the Catholic church. I'm going to lose my thought. Time. I'm going to lose my thought. I'm going to lose my thought. Then you can keep going. Beautiful. Great question. The way they they look at it is called a annulment. Okay. So what happens is when you're married and uh, your say your wife was married to another man, and then uh, they they let's say they got married outside the Catholic Church, they got married on the beach or something. Well, that is not a reverent marriage. That's really you know. So when you and her got married. Then what you would have done was went to the the, uh, the archdiocese and you'd have filed for an annulment and your annulment would have been really quick because of the 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 when they got married they got like one of um, I know a guy one time they got married in their wife's in his mother's house you know and you know that is automatically they're married but it's not it's not a valid really a valid marriage in the eyes of God so because they didn't really get married in front of God. And so what happens is you can get an annulment for that. That's a, that's a very good case for an annulment. Um, does that answer your question? No. No. Because are you saying the annulment is for her first marriage? Yes. Is that? Yes. Okay. But we're already married. So are you saying she could still apply for an annulment on her first marriage or is it a moot point? Of course. Now? No. No. She can apply for that. 
she can apply. Of course, she can apply to get a nomin. Of course, yes, that's a valid well, okay. reason. Yes. Here's the reason why I asked. Mm-hmm. Remember how I told you because of the adult child of alcoholic syndrome that my wife has. Mm-hmm. Um, she has a tendency to pathologically lie about things for self-preservance. The reason why I'm asking this mm-hmm. is because if you look at the circumstances to why she got married in the first place, and there's a place down here that a lot of people pick to get married because it's not church related. It's at a, like a, um, it's like a memorial garden where people have previously been buried. So they, a lot of people use it because of the sheer beauty of the facility. She was actually four and a half months pregnant when she got married the first time. So that is a piece of bondage in my teaching. And you can correct me if I'm wrong on this to why she entered into a marriage. Being pregnant does not facilitate marriage. Being married means you enter into marriage without any bondages. When she entered into my marriage with me, I already knew that she was hiding things from me. So she cannot apply for an annulment and be granted an annulment just on those grounds alone. But how do you deal with what I just shared about getting married outside of the Catholic faith because of the actual pregnancy? In other words, there was something that was keeping her in bondage to thinking she was entering into a first marriage that was healthy. That's that's my, that's my, that's my whole point that you got to remember what annulments are for. Annulments mean that your marriage never was, that the marriage was unlawful. So what does that mean? That means that like in your wife's case, you know, she got married under the pressure of being pregnant or, or, or she lied and didn't tell her husband all of the truth about her past, about her debt, um, about that, that she was a homosexual or all these kind of things. Because the reason why is because the annulment is inv- the marriage is invalid is because a husband or or you know the spouse I should say has the right to know things that can affect them inside the current if they get married to so to make a decision of like listen I know you lied about all this stuff about your debt and blah 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 I know you you know but but I accept that I, I have no problem with that I still want to marry you. But if the person doesn't give you a if doesn't give you that choice, right? Like, you know, the person she didn't give you a choice by telling you the truth, because that's what love is, right? Love is like, listen, I'm giving, I'm putting my whole body, mind, and soul in your hands, Scott. And so I'm trusting you with that. And and so I have to be vulnerable. So being vulnerable is what? Being truthful and honest with your husband or the man you're gonna marry. And, and and when people don't do that, it invalidates their marriage. And so the, the church, we, and, you, and you also you got to look at it like this. We've got to stop saying the church, the Catholic, the Catholic church teaches this. No, God teaches this. Christ teaches this. Because people use that to say, well, the Catholic church isn't valid. Blah, that's not the real church and blah, blah, blah. And, and But it's not. It's not true. You have to understand that Christ teaches that annulment and adultery is wrong okay and annulment is correct and so that the marriage is unlawful um so that's how it works what do you think i'm fine with your explanation on that but i'm not fine with going forward with an annulment for one reason because i already knew she was hiding things from me prior to marriage so if i married her knowing that anything she was hiding now becomes fair game for part of the marriage in my eyes Mm -hmm. do you agree or disagree i agree that if you marry a liar, that doesn't matter. 
but what do they if they don't tell you about things and then you get inside the marriage and they start telling you about all this stuff that you find out then yes you have a you have a case for an annulment a, a true case in the eyes of god not this fake stuff that they try to do today you know what i'm saying all right so um some of the benefits of what's happened out of my um dissolution proceedings which um, I just filed a motion last week to strike all pleadings and all motions and all orders because of procedural misconduct. Um, I've made aware to the judiciary that's been um, mismanaging the case that because she lies for self-preservance, she needs that mental health help. To me, correct me if I'm wrong, if God knows that your future wife has a mental defect, Mm-hmm. And he still allows the marriage to happen. To me, I still think the marriage is validated as being a, a valid marriage because it doesn't say that it's unlawful as in one of the three tenets, which is we're not beast, we're not brother and sister or related. And she wasn't married at the time of um, our marriage. Neither mm-hmm. was I. To me, it's valid. So the unlawful part comes in to the tribunal that if I already understood that she had a problem with mental health, that doesn't preclude her from being married. It just means right. she needs mental health counseling. Exactly. But you knew, you know, that's something that, you know, if a person has mental ish- health issues, and I know they make up a lot of things these days, <laughs> we, we go out another time. But if, like, say your wife has schizophrenia and you didn't know it when you got married, that's not an annulment case. That means you accepting your wife as being sick or getting a disease, you know, and it's, you know, and, and abandoning her would not be the manly thing to do. You see what I'm saying? Sure. And I, I use the analogy, let's say, and I'm just using this as an example. Let's say I was an alcoholic. Just because I don't get treatment for alcoholism doesn't mean I'm not an alcoholic. It just means it's undiagnosed. Yep. And that's the portion of what I'm trying to share. And it's, it differs from where my daughter's mother is untreated for bipolar disorder, which means she's already been treated and diagnosed. She refuses to accept her medication. I don't mm-hmm. think my wife has anything to take medication over, but I do think because of how mental health is set up, it's always beneficial, like it was taught in the military, that whenever you have crises, you go seek mental health counseling to help you work through some of your problems in life. Right. But my point is, I'm just trying to get my wife in front of mental health professionals to help her deal with lifelong trauma that will give her the opportunity to be loving towards yeah. her husband and make a good decision in a healthy yeah. way yep. and be loving towards her children. Because the one caveat that I think you'll be real happy with, um, Jerry, is her youngest daughter happened to marry somebody that was a, a good enough Catholic. He asked to be married in the Catholic faith. But they had already created a child out of wedlock and were living together. So the Catholic faith said, no, we're not marrying you. He is backdoored the Catholic church, and he's now going to a Catholic church 20 miles outside of Louisville. And he's got his wife and three daughters actively participating. So part of the celibacy and everything I did to restore the generational curse being broken by marrying uh, my wife, it's now got her youngest daughter seeking the Catholic faith. Like mm-hmm. she had gone to school. And so her, her husband, albeit he did it the wrong way. He did it back a wards to get married. He at least has him in church now leading 
his family towards Christ. Yeah. And I'm hoping that some of that indirect influence of myself and my wife had influenced him. So mm-hmm. I'm in a process of trying to still save my marriage because the greater cause is to be what you said. Um, can you repeat for me, just so I understand, do you think we fall in a bad marriage or a horrible marriage? Because I thought you said mediocre was number three. Mm-hmm. Um, a good marriage is number four. And what you and Mary Kathleen have is number five, which is a legendary marriage. So, yeah, it's, it, I We're, say it's horrible, terrible marriage, then bad marriage, then a mediocre, lukewarm marriage, um, then a good marriage, great marriage, and then legendary um, okay. Would you, where would you say I am on that? Would you say I'm on the bad marriage part? Yeah. Bad. Oh, okay. Yeah. But we can, through the grace of God, restore the marriage. Beautiful. Yeah. Prayer. Yeah. The intercession and so forth. Okay. Yep. So the only question I had is I have a feeling that because there's a lack of practice of the Catholic faith, which my wife and all her siblings were raised with partially. And I know at least one of them got married in the Catholic church. I think he's the major proponent for promoting the divorce in the first place, which is her brother. Mm-hmm. How do you get somebody to swing towards the good portion of it, which he's obviously denied the Catholic faith just for the simple fact that, uh, he divorced his first wife to marry a second wife who he's cheating with on his first wife. And see, that's the problem. When This is why you hear me say, do not marry a divorced woman. Because just like you don't div- marry a divorced man, if you're a woman, you don't marry a divorced man. You know why? Because they, they're going to taint, they're tainted against marriage. Even though he got remarried again, he has all this baggage and she's got married again. There's all this baggage that, and they bring it into their marriage. It's, 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 and, if, and if you can get it out of the marriage, because it's called inhibitions, for a woman, you can get that out through prayer, suffering, sacrifice, and prolonging the sexual, um, the the, the sexual, uh, the marital embrace. Prolonging that, you can get that out of your wife. But most guys don't know that, and so they're just they just they, their wife. They're married to a woman that's ready to leave at any time before they can even have a chance to really work on the marriage. This is why when you, I don't work with people who've been married more than twice. The reason why is like I just said because they they don't have no stick to itiveness. They they won't you know they won't stay they you know although they'll they'll be, you know they'll swear up and down to the Almighty Heavens that no I really want I really don't I really want want to keep my wife together I want to stay this married whatever but then as soon as they come in the program and they start working see how hard it is or how much work they have to do and it's not really that hard to work but you have to do some work then they're they're like you don't see them no more. The guys, that, the guys that have been married like once or maybe twice, because you know what you give it, you know, mistakes happen. You know, those people, those guys, when they come to me, they really want to say they're married for the most part. The ones that enter the program do. They really like want me, to because my first marriage was a no because we never consummated. Yes, and so that's why you've got to be, you've got to be very careful with the woman you choose. You got to be very careful if you're a woman who the, the husband you choose. And it's not it's not being down against divorced people. It's not that. It's just that man, they're damaged. They they're psychologically and emotionally and uh, spiritually damaged. And if they don't, if they're not going to church every Sunday, they're not praying out of that. They're not getting rid of that stuff, man. It will come into the marriage they in now. But when a guy has been married before and he comes to me, I help him and teach him how to get that crap out of his marriage. You see what Can I'm you saying? Answer one final question for me, then. Yeah. 
All right. I see a lot of similarities between your wife, Mary Kathleen, and my wife, Misty. Mm-hmm. Okay. Of constantly needing that strong Catholic male to just, and I hate to say it this way, to dominate him into submission to where <laughs> she's happy as a lark now. And I know that sounds horrible. Okay. But you need that strong Catholic male leadership to be dominant enough of a force to do the lovemaking like you talk about, which Misty and I never got there. And I'm not saying that to be rude to her. But one of the concerns I have is because of the the checkered past, there are a lot of people around us that are just causing chaos. And that's why I'm asking, is it unhealthy for me to look at my marriage as our child? Because I've got my life, she's got her life. And then we have our married life, and if we don't che- treat our marriage right, then everybody that's been looking at us is going to say, ah, see there, that Catholic man, he practiced celibacy, and it's all hogwash. What I'm asking is, well, it's just like your children. wrong for me to cheat our marriage as a child because it's only six and a half years old? Well, that's what people do. They, they look at stuff. They don't look at things properly like their kids. Like, you could raise your kids right, but, man, when they get out there, they you're gonna you know you could lose i mean i know a, i know a couple that homeschooled their kids took them to daily mass every sunday i mean every week i mean every day went to mass every sunday they all went to confession i'll do that and the, the the kid still went out there and did her own thing the thing about it is is they always come back though the thing about it is, is they all come back. Your child is going to do that. So your marriage, I understand what you're saying about your marriage. You know, you, yeah, you, you want to, you treat it as a child because it, it is a very, it's young still, but, and, and you still want to make it grow. Um, so I think the way you look at it is fine, man. Other than that, I got to go. All right. I, I want to give you one other comment too. Oh, I added a friend on Facebook recently and he's a person that's been having major influence over my life in Catholic faith. Okay. Um, I'm talking to him. <laughs> <laughs> so Thanks, you're Jerry. saying so you're saying accept accept your friend request. Okay. Got it. <laughs> All right. Well, man, to be fair, Bye. I don't hardly I don't hardly go on Facebook like that for that for for you know that just because it, it's a it's a time sucker. You know what I mean? So. I know I've eliminated. You're only the ninth friend I now have. I eliminated <laughs> all but <laughs> nine people. So, <laughs> all right. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks a lot. Bye. All right. Bye. Let's talk about your Catholic marriage problems. Weekdays, 10 a.m. Eastern. Live streamed on the Catholic Alpha Radical Facebook page and CatholicAlpha.com. All right, all right, we are back. That was a good call, good call. You know, I like to get depth. When people call, I like to get into depth. I like to really try to help them. And, you know, I don't have to have five or 10 calls or 20 calls, just, you know, one or two so that we can really help each other. And you, as you see, I really try to help when, I, when callers call. It doesn't make sense to try to rush people off because then you can't get to the core of what's going on. So thank you, Scott, for that great call. So now what we're going to do is uh, finish our um, finish our uh, radical rant of the day and what we uh, our content. And I thank you guys for sticking around. And I'm hoping that you're getting some out of the out of the show today. So let's be, let's continue to rock this, right? Let's continue to rock this. So 
Yes, I promised. How to save your marriage when your wife is giving up. Holy lover gift 14. And gift 14 states what? A holy lover must suffer, sacrifice, and give his life away a little each day for his beloved. Ooh, 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 Jerry, you know that ain't cool. You know that is not cool. That is not cool. <laughs> I don't hardly do sound effects that much, but I figured I'd do one on that one. <laughs> so, again, gift number 14 states, a holy lover must suffer, sacrifice, and give his life away a little each day for his beloved. So, again, so we're on the same page. What is a holy lover? A holy lover is, is what I've come up with in my program, so to, to give guys something to, to strive for. And plus, I love the name Holy Lover. Everybody thinks it's kinky, but it's really not. It really has a meaning, you know. Um, and so Holy Lover really, you know, as far as the, what it, it means is you becoming the man that God created you to be, and you also become the husband that your wife truly needs. This is the mark of a Holy Lover. And so today we talk about suffering sacrificing and give your life away. Most of us today aren't taught as men how to suffer for anything. Suffering's bad. Stay away from suffering as much as you can. Blah, blah, blah. Well, the only way that you're going to get to heaven, the only way that you're going to get closer to God is you must sacrifice and you must suffer. This is why you hear me. I don't agree with Protestantism on the mere fact that every Sunday they go to church, everybody's praising and worshiping. That is not Christ all the way. That's only a partial of Christ. And, and we have to understand, so in the Catholic Church, the way it works, Christ Church, the way it works is the Mass, the church service, is a sacrifice so that we understand as a man what we're here for. When we, when we go, we do Easter 52, well, we do Easter 51 weeks out of the year, that taints that taints us are are that taints us as uh understanding the faith and what god came here for and and then we start to make ideologies about the christian faith that don't that don't that don't uh progress what christ god became man for this is why when you go to a catholic church no you don't hear people talking in mass you don't hear people jumping up and screaming and hollering and stuff you know why out of reverence for God, for what he went through, for his suffering. We we basically, Catholics become Protestants on Easter, Holy Week. Why? Because when he's risen, oh my God, the cross, you're right, the cross is empty. He's not there. He is risen. That's the miracle. He defeated Satan. He overcame death. That's when you celebrate. And then, of course, Christmas. You celebrate Christmas, uh, the Savior's coming. Oh, my God, I can't wait. But when we use emotion and we try to push emotion 52, 50 more weeks out of the year, every single Sunday, we lose parishioners. We lose them. And they, 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 they church hop. They church hop. Why? Because they don't, don't, they're not focusing on Christ and his suffering and, and understanding what the faith is really about. We're focusing on the preacher up in front of us. In the Catholic Church, we're taught not to ever focus on the pastor. That is, that is of hell. 
because it's the, the church service is not about the preacher. It's not about the priest. It's about Christ. And so when you go to a Catholic church, if they're doing it properly, the priest is not even facing the congregation. He's facing east, the altar, the Eucharist. He's facing Christ because Christ comes back from the east. And so that's why that's how you do it. We're, we are all sub to Christ. The priest is sub to, to Christ. And, and, the, and the church knows that. The people in the church, the magisterium, everybody knows that. But in a Protestant church service, it's really about the it's really about the pe- the preacher and the parishioners. It's not really about Christ. It's really not because we're too busy trying to get hyped up and trying to be about ourselves. And it's not that's not what a church service is really supposed to be about. Now, people are going to say, well, Jerry, you know, what gives you the right to say that my church service is really not reverent? Well, what gives me the right to say that is I don't have the right. But Christ does. And his church does, and the Christian faith does. The reason, you know, when you when you are Protestant and you and you start to understand the real truths of the faith, they love it. That's why Protestants convert to Catholicism every day, all the time. Because and then their fire, they bring that Protestant fire to the Catholic faith. And it's great, it's awesome. Because we need that. But it's but praise and worship has its place. And that is out before mass, before the church service or after the church service, not during the church service, because the church service is supposed to sacrifice on the lamb. The service is supposed to focus on the lamb. And we can't do that if we're jumping around, hooping and hollering for two hours. We can't. You, we can't. We're, we're too focused on the pastor. The pastor, he's not the focus. The, your pastor is not the focus. I have, I have, matter of fact, I have pastors, Protestant pastors in my program all the time. I don't try to convert them, but I do try to help them understand what, what, what Christ wants us to do as men and, and how to lead our churches. If we are going to break off from the Catholic church, let's do it right. Let's do it right. Let's get our parish. Cause what happens is man, when it, 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 whether you as a Protestant want to agree with me or not, or even a Catholic would agree with me or not. If you focus on the pastor, you will eventually leave and go to another church. Catholics do it too. That priest pissed me off, so I'm going to go to this other Catholic church over here. Well, that priest pissed me off, so I'm going to go to this Catholic church over here. Okay, in the Catholic church, that's okay. Why? Because it's still the church. It's still Christ's church. It's still the church he started. You're not really doing a sin or nothing. You're still in the church. But it's still being a Catholic, you know, you kind of just kind of you just kind of focus on the priest. And if the priest upsets me or I don't like him where I go somewhere else, what I don't you know, that's not really cool, but people do it. But in Protestantism, if uh, if, a, if a parishioner leaves your parish, that does a lot more hurt in the, than the Catholic Church. You know why? Because in the Catholic Church, like I said, everybody still goes. They stay in the church. They just go to a different parish. But in a Protestant church. If they leave your church, they're taking their money with them. That's the key. That's why it's important that if you want to keep people in your church as a priest and as a Protestant minister, you preach the word and you preach reverence and you give them the, 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 you give the, the, you give the, you preach on the four last things with their death, judgment, heaven, and hell. And then you get your butt out of the way and allow the Holy Spirit to do the rest. People won't leave. Sure, you're gonna leave, you're gonna lose them at first. 
you're going to lose them at first because people, they're not used to, they don't want that. They want to be hyped up every Sunday and made to feel good. Then they go out and sleep with their girlfriend at the church or they go best friend on their wife after church. But the way you really, once you weed all the, all the, all the pretenders out of your parish and out of your, and out of your, and out of your church, then the real believers will come. And then your parish will grow astronomically because you are being a true representing Christ on that altar. And you represent, if you're a, if you're a Protestant, you're representing Christ on that stage in that sanctuary and people will come. If you're reverent and you do it right, man, they will come and they will stay too. And they'll give you their money. But if we do this fluff stuff, like these churches got these 5,000 and 10,000 people there, you know what? They got to turn on. People leave and come all the time. They come and go all the time. So we really have to ask ourselves as men, what are we trying to build here, right? Are we trying to build a temple for God, Christ to be proud of so that we get, we die in a particular judgment that God says, well done, my son, well done. Or are we just trying to have a good time every Sunday? This is not what God came and made himself incarnate to be a man for. What he took himself through being, a, like I said earlier, being born of, of, of a creature, being in the womb, brushing his teeth, going to the toilet. He went through all that suffering and sacrifice. We can jump up and hoop and holler every Sunday and not become, not, not suffer and not sacrifice our life for anything. Is that what we really want to tell our Lord Jesus Christ? Is that what we really want to tell him? Is that what we really want to say? No, we don't. And you really don't either. You want God to understand. You want to know God better. You really do. You can't do that hooping and hollering every Sunday having Easter 50, days, 50 weeks out of the year. You can't do that. You can't. This is why it's important that we understand the mission of Christ what he really wants from us and how he wants us to unite our suffering because suffering, what does suffering and sacrifice do? You unite that with Christ and you get grace. Suffering produces grace. That's why suffering is important. It produces grace. I just read the quote from Archbishop Foot and Jay Sheen and he said the same thing. So we have to understand, man, that God loves us for who we are He's merciful and he's a just God and he wants us to understand him. And the only way to understand Christ is through the suffering of Christ. Okay. So with that being said, your ultimate goal as a husband is to present your wife before the father, blemish free and pure. Oh my God. You can only do this by placing yourself last. Remember St. Paul says in Ephesians 5, 21 through 33, Present your beloved before the Lord, blemish free. That is your power as a man, that God has given you the power through your suffering and your sacrifice to, to help purify the soul of your beloved wife. Most men do not know that. And so when you suffer and sacrifice as a man for and you not that suffering with Christ, the Holy Spirit will go and work on the heart of your beloved. It would keep her submitting to you in a great way and you submitting to Christ and your family will grow and become great and your marriage will become great. If you don't pray because prayer is suffering, a prayer is sacrifice, prayer is penance. If you do not pray every single day for that of your wife and your marriage, who else will? So guess what? That's why marriages become in why marriages become without grace and they become chaotic. My families become chaotic.
Okay. You can only, and also you can only do this by placing yourself last, by praying, by doing what's best for her according to God. Moreover, denying yourself pleasure in lieu of hers. As you endure these sufferings, you unite this suffering with that of Christ for the benefit of your beloved. We've got to start looking at our wife as our beloved and stop looking at her as some woman off the street. That's some our buddy, our partner. Well, she's got her job. I've got my job. Women don't sign up for that, gentlemen. They really don't. And I've got to almost every day. I'm a I'm gonna push that in your brain. If you want your wife to love you, if you want to love her better, you've got she you must treat her special. You must show her that she is special and not just by buying her stuff, by the actions you do, by the way you treat her, by the way you talk to her, by the way you encounter her, by the way you make love to her. All of these things, man. And. So let's go into a scenario, right? So giving our life away, how do you give your life away for your wife? How do you do that? How do you give your life away for God? How do you do that? So for instance, let's think of a scenario. If there was a home invasion in your home one night while you were sleeping and that because they didn't want any witnesses and wanted to leave a message to the police, they grab you and your wife. They put you on your knees and they put hatchets to her throat and to your throat. Okay. They give you the choice of them killing her, your beloved wife, or them killing you. You would hope that you have the courage to stay to say, of course, kill my wife. Don't kill me. You would hope that at that moment in time that you would have the courage in that scenario or any scenario like that, that you would be able and have the fortitude to sacrifice your life for God and for your wife at that particular moment in time. This is why the saint Maximin Kobe is one of my favorite saints because you know what he did at the time. So those of you don't know the story of St. Maximin Kobe, he was a priest in the, the, in the, in the concentration camp doing World War II with the Nazis. They were about ready to kill some people. They took a man who was married and the man said he was a husband. He said, please don't kill me. I have a wife and children. And so they were going to kill him anyway. They're going to put him in the gas chamber anyway. And so uh, St. Maximilian Kobe, who he's called now, he's a saint because of miracles that were performed in his name. He stood up and said, told the guard to take me. Do not take him because I don't have any children and I don't have a wife. And so what happened was they took they took St. Maximilian Kobe in, in, instead. And this is why you must study the life of the saints, because the saints were sinners. They were pornographers. They were rapists. They were murderers. They were they were they were they were they were, they were humans. They were humans. And when you study the life of the saints and how they how they come to how they came to Christ, to become a saint, which is all our job to become saints, that helps you identify with your life. And you can see that that gives you hope. That's why Christ, the church creates saints, because it gives us hope that no matter how low we are, we can become a saint and become great in the eyes of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. So that being said, you hope in that moment that you would say, please kill me do not kill my wife, right? 
which means what? <clears throat> you have just sacrificed your life and given your life away for your beloved wife and for God because you are married and you get grace for that. You become a martyr, okay? But I ask, what are the odds of that scenario or something similar happening in the 40 or 50 years of a man's marriage? Huh? Ask yourself that. What are the, the odds of that are astronomical, right? Well, maybe not astronomical because today, whoo, anything happened up in this society <laughs> with, with no grace and no God around, right? <laughs> so how do you as a man give your life away daily? How do you do that? To show your wife you love her, to show God that you love her, that you want your marriage to work, that you are willing to give your life, to give it away, to sacrifice everything you are as a husband, as a man, and as a Christian soldier. How do I do that? How? To, in fact, prove without a doubt that you really and truly love your wife. And you do this by giving your time. That's how you give your life away, gentlemen through your time, because time is the one thing you can't get back. One second has just passed. Two seconds have just passed. Three seconds have just passed. You can't get those three seconds back, can you? And that's why time is so important. That's why in the eyes of God, consistency and persistency is so important to get your prayers answered. Because time is one thing that you could never go back to. How many of us wish we could go back and be 17 again or 25 or whatever? We wish we could do that. You know, you can't. So this is how you, one way that you prove to your beloved wife that you love her, that you care about her, is you give your time to her every day for her. Okay? So... We're going to go and ask a few questions to help sort this out, right? So how, this concept of giving your time away, what does that mean? And how do you do that? And how does God look at it in the church and things like that, right? So the first question is, what is the secret to true and authentic masculinity? Never, the secret is this, never ever again considering your happiness before that of God, your wife, and your children. That's the secret. That's the secret. You never, ever, ever again from this day forward, consider your wants, your desires, and your needs above God first, your wife and marriage second, and your children third. Because if you do, if you do that, if you don't do that, you just become a selfish oaf that they portray out here all the time on, in the media of a man, what a man really is. Now, a lot of men are going to sit here and say, you know, I have, a lot, I have a lot of downloads on my podcast. So a lot of people are going to say, well, Jerry, you know, I'm doing that. No, you ain't. No, you're not. You're not. You might want to or might have conned ourselves into believing that we do do that, but we're not. You know, and this is, that's the secret. The secret is this. And where does that secret come from? That secret don't come from me. That secret comes from contemplation of hours and hours of our Lord Jesus Christ and what he died for. If you think about it, Christ teaches you how to be a man just by hanging on that crucifix, by hanging on the cross. So I ask you, did Christ ever, over 33 years, one time in scripture, ever think about himself? Ever one time? It's simple. I'll help you. No. No. 
And that is what he's asking you as a man to never consider your happiness. You, you can't as a man, because when you do that, what do you do? You start thinking about yourself. You become selfish. You become into your wife. You become like every other man out on the street and your wife doesn't want every other man out in the street. She wants her beloved husband, the one she chose to spend the rest of her life with. And if you can do that, you will become a great man in the eyes of God and your wife and your children. And that's all that really matters. In the scheme of time, in the scheme of the universe, in the scheme of death, heaven, judgment, hell, purgatory, that is all that matters. Your relationship with God, how your wife, the love and respect of your wife and, the, and, the, and, the, and how your children view you, that is it. That's how you become great as a man, dude. That is how you become great as a man. Don't let this society like the devil tell you that I got to have a billion dollars to be great. I got to have uh, I got to have um, all these things, the materialistic things, the cars and stuff to be great. I, I, you know, that I have to be a superstar Michael Jordan to be great or I have to be an actress, uh, 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 Rob De Niro to be great. No, you don't, because those people aren't great. They're great as an actor. They're great as a as a professional basketball player. They're great as a businessman. But that's not the measure of a man, is it? Because if that was, then why? Then people born in Haiti and South America and third world countries, is that fair to them? Is that fair to them that they could never have those things? That's why that is not the measure of a man. Money is not. It's what you do with your money. It's what you do with your success. It's what you do with your fame that means something, right? Okay. So the next question is, why is suffering and sacrifice important to a marriage? Why? Because it prepares your warrior spirit so that you are able to fight and hold off Satan. Yep. That's it. Humility defeats Satan. Suffering and sacrifice for our Lord Jesus Christ and our beloved wife and our children defeats Satan in your home. It really does. Humility defeats evil if you use it. If you argue with your wife, you call your wife names, if you hurt her, if you criticize her, if you blame her, you have allowed Satan to enter between your wife and your marriage. In between you two, you've allowed your pride and ego to enter in between you and your beloved. Satan is sit, is sitting right there. Remember, gentlemen, your battle is against, is against, if you're in marriage crisis, your battle is between you and your wife. That's a mistake that every man out here makes. The battle is between you and the demonic and between Satan. That's the battle. That is the true battle. Satan has your wife. Stop being a punk. Get your sword and your shield and your armor on and go get your wife back. That's what this is about. Your wife is just being who she is. She's just being a woman. She's hurt. She's hurt deeply. Now, as I explained earlier, this is, is not all your fault. A lot of stuff happened to your wife before, before she met you. A lot of stuff happened to your wife before she met you that damaged her soul. And so, but you know what? You married her, so it's your job to clean it up. I'm sorry, it is. You're now responsible for her. Okay? Remember, again, the battle that you and your wife are going through is not between you and her, it's between you and Satan. You must, that's why you must ignite the Holy Spirit to get on your side to help you. 
And that comes through prayer, suffering, sacrifice, and penance. That's what it comes through, fasting, all of these things. If you think you can go through your life and not pray on your knees and give your life away to, to for God and your wife without prayer and suffering, which appropriate what prayer is, it's a sacrifice to suffering, then you will always have these kind of marriage problems or these kind of children problems in your home. Your home will never, will always be in chaos. You don't think it is because we're roaches. We're all rats and roaches, right? We adapt. When bad things happen in our life, in our marriage, in our home, we just kind of adapt to it. We don't fix it, but we adapt to it. That's how people can go years without having sex. That's how people can go years where they don't talk to each other. Because at first, evil happens slow, right? Evil, evil happens slow. You know, and that's how we and that's how Satan works. Because if Satan worked really fast, you'd fix it really quick. Okay. Next, how, next question is how do you prove to your beloved that you truly love her? How do you do that, man? How do you prove to your wife that you truly really care about her? How do you do it? Well, you give your life away through the giving of your time, like we talked about. You, you die to your wants, desires, and needs at all times. You never consider your happiness ever again. You never, ever consider your desires above that of what is best for your wife and your children and the natural law of God. Because what happens is when you serve God first, your wife in marriage and your children, then God gives you the grace. That's why you have to serve God first, because you need his grace. Just by being married, marriage, marriage is a sacrament for those of you who don't know Marriage is a sacrament. It means in the eyes of God, Jesus, it's a sacrament. It's, it's, it's sacred that you get automatically when you get married, you get grace to have to, to, to keep your marriage going. But of course, we're fallen human beings and we screw that up. But you always have that grace unless you go into mortal sin and you dispel that grace away. Okay. But you, you must consider again never ever your happiness is not of importance but your fulfillment as a man is i'm gonna repeat that we must never as a man consider our wants desires and and and, and needs above that of god our wife and children because because of their of that importance that's has that's how astronomically important that the gift of god has given you of those children and of that beloved wife are you worthy of that gift? Are you? Only you can answer that. Only you can answer that. So your happiness is not of an importance. And you hear me say that all the time. Your happiness is not of importance. It's not. Nobody cares. You're a man. Man up. Deal with it. Nobody cares about you being happy or unhappy. You know why? Because you're a man, you're a Christian soldier, you're a true man. You don't do that. You don't worry about that crap. But I will say this, your fulfillment as a man is of the most utmost importance. Not your happiness, but your fulfillment as a man is what's important. And what is that? Meaning, how can you be happy if God your wife and your children are miserable in themselves or in you. Think about that. If God, if your relationship with God is not proper, if it's not right, if your wife is unhappy and miserable and your children are unhappy and miserable, how can you as a man be happy? 
This is why you can't focus on you. We can't. I don't. I can't. And sometimes I slip too. But you know what? The difference between me and you is I have built up the habit to understand when I'm slipping. And so what do I do? I correct myself. And that's what happens. This is why when you come to a certain point in your marriage and it's in marriage crisis, you need help to get out of it. You need someone that you could talk to and have bounced things off of and can guide you through to get things back on track. Okay. Of course, your happiness. So now that I explain that to you, understand why I say your happiness doesn't mean anything. It can't. You can't allow that because you become selfish. And if you focus on you, how can your wife and children? And your and God be happy in that. Be happy in you. How can they rest in you? They can't. Okay. Next, how do you reinforce your wife's in your wife's mind that you will love her forever? Well, I talked about that before. Remember, I talked about earlier that women they are damaged over their lives because when they give their gift away. And every man in their life, especially if they don't have a father or he's abandoned them, abandoned her, then what has happened is she's become damaged over her life. And in her mind, every man's going to leave me anyway. So when she marries you, you know, instinctively she believes deep in her heart, in her psyche, that you're going to leave, you're going to leave her too. Because all other men did. So how do you get over that? One of the ways is you become Christ in your home. You become a Christian soldier in your home. You represent Christ with sympathy, justice, mercy, understanding, love, and, and being a true man, being a true man. Because then your wife can rest in you like he's he's a sound, logical, upstanding, morally Christ-loving man, which means what? You are not going to leave her because you love Christ. And so Christ didn't leave his flock. Christ didn't leave his bride the church, right? A Christian doesn't do that, does he? So your wife can say, okay, he's a Christian man. He's a strong, sound mind. He loves me. He's not, he wouldn't do me like that. That's the first thing. Next is you learn how to love her unlike any other man in her life, right? You, you know, you learn how to love your wife unlike any other man in her life. And that takes understanding how to do that and what to do. We're not going to go on that now, but that's in the making love mastery category. We'll cover that stuff in a couple of weeks. But right now, you must understand how to love your wife and what that means to her and how that starts to reinforce in her mind that you are never going anywhere. You're going to love her forever. And then that starts to build trust in you. That starts to build um, her thinking you're not manipulating her. That starts to build her to believe. And you have to do this over time. It's not going to happen in two weeks. Okay. Next. <coughs> Next. You protect, defend, and serve her each and every day, placing her as priority number one so she trusts you deeply. Okay? And the reason you do that is because when you place her number one, then she starts to serve you. Listen, one thing that I have to mention so that we all understand where we are, suffering and sacrifice for our Lord Jesus Christ and for our wife has a payoff where everybody's in the payoff. Okay, Jerry, what's the payoff? The payoff is first of all, you get grace from God to, to move closer to him 
to move through your life and lead your wife and children there through example and love and mercy and justice, that they're moving towards heaven. The second way it pays off is this. Your wife, when she starts to realize the kind of man you have become, she will serve you 10 times more than you ever thought about serving her. That's the payoff, the greatness of your marriage, the greatness of a woman who sees the benefit of having a man like you who she can trust and love and be vulnerable to, who she can tell all her secrets, her wants, desires, everything. And you guys can go through life and share that. And then that passes down to your children and then your children, your grandchildren, and then their children and their children. And then that's how you build greatness. That's it, dude. I'm not saying it's easy, but it, it, it happens. It will happen. Okay. So you learn how to, another thing is too. So you protect the fin so that your wife trust you, right? The next thing is so that, uh, so that she believes you're not going anywhere forever is you learn how to communicate with her lovingly empathetically and you learn to be a great listener of her concerns her worries and her dreams without interruption and that is important to learn how to communicate with your beloved so that she believes that you love her and so in short what am i trying to say get into your wife get into her be curious about her you learn her mysteries and you use those to love her unlike any other in her life. How do you give your life away for your beloved each and every day? How do you do that? How do you give your life away each and every day for your beloved? Simply, as St. Paul says in Ephesians 5, 21 through 33, you present your beloved before the Lord blemish free. That is the power that God has given you. At your wife's particular judgment, if you do the things that I am that I'm advocating, the Holy Spirit, your suffering and your sacrifice, the Holy Spirit will chisel off the imperfections of your wife. She will start to become her true and sacred self. Okay, by dying to yourself and giving your life away for hers through your time through your sacrifice, through your penance, through your suffering, through your uniting your love with that of our Lord. Giving your time in prayer each and every day. This is how you do it. This is how you do it, gentlemen, by offering yourself up to our Lord Jesus Christ as a sacrifice for your beloved wife. You, in essence, become a lamb as Christ was the lamb in your house. This, my friends, is true in authentic masculinity. This now, this is now your life. Get used to it. Embrace it. Don't bitch and whine about it. Be as Christ. Just do it. Bam. And so today we end as we always do with the quote, from Pope Benedict XVI. Society offers you comfort, but you weren't made for comfort. You were made for greatness. Now, go forth, Christian soldier, 
The spiritual fight is up on you. Fast. Pray and prepare for battle. Thank you for listening in today. If what you heard helped you in any way and you would like more personal attention, visit SaveMyCatholicMarriage.com for superior marriage coaching. And remember to join the Catholic Alpha Radical Live podcast as a caller or listener every Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. Eastern. To join as a caller, dial area code 313 Radical. To join as a listener or view the live stream, visit the Catholic Alpha Radical Live Facebook page or visit CatholicAlpha.com for Catholic marriage help that actually works. Bang.